Welcome to the Indigenous Mathematician series. Indigenous Mathematicians was created to bring all Indigenous mathematicians together for the purpose of representing for those Indigenous kids looking into the field of mathematics or STEM. Today we have Brian Dawson, a Cherokee Nation citizen. Brian Dawson is a university professor of mathematics from University uh, Union University in Jackson, uh, Tennessee. Welcome. I'm so excited to get into the question. So we'll just dive right in uh, and start with our typical, who are your ancestors that you are grateful for? Well, I'll begin with my parents uh, because I had a, a loving home, a home where I felt safe, a home where I felt cherished, a home where learning was um, important, um, a home where values were taught. Um, it was it was good. So I'll begin with them. And as far as my educational journey is concerned, I'm definitely grateful for my grandfather, my dad's father, uh, for um, his valuing of education. How did you get into math, specifically uh, your grandfather slash father story? Right. So sometimes um, journeys take generations. And three of my four grandparents had an eighth grade education. Uh, one went a little further. Uh, my grandfather was one of those who had an eighth grade education. He was born in, um, in the Cherokee Nation in Indian Territory in 1898. Um, would have attended um, the Cherokee Nation schools when he was young, although they uh, moved to New Mexico um, at one point and then back. But um, my uh, grandfather uh, wound up being a sharecropper for nearly 40 years um, in the Panhandle of Texas, started during the Dust Bowl, and um, farmed the, the same land for nearly 40 years, leasing it um, every year. And I forget if it was one third of the crop of the cotton and a quarter of the beans or vice versa. But anyway, that's what went to the land. Cotton and beans. Mm -hmm. Cool. <laughs> and so um, someone once asked him why he never purchased his own land. And his reply was, that if he purchased his own land, he could leave a legacy for one of his children. If instead he used that same money to purchase a college education, he could leave a legacy for all five of his children. And all five of his children, my dad and his four sisters, then all attended college. Um, four of them graduated. And uh, three of them have a, a descendant working in higher education today. Wow, that's quite the legacy. It Both is. For your grandfather. Yes. Smart guy. Yes, <laughs> and so all his life then he lived on that farm, literally farming till the day he died, um, using an outhouse, um, taking a bath in a number two wash tub in the kitchen. Um, so I think after my dad went to college, um, they did get an indoor toilet. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, it was it was subsistence farming. 
Um, yeah. And, um, and, and so it was um, a sacrifice he made for yeah. his children, and it, it changed the, the family legacy. Yeah, I mean, I would, you would get to see that growing up daily, the hard work it takes to be a farmer and pass that on to your children, how important it is to get a good education. Yes. And so my dad majored in mathematics when he went to college. And that's also kind of an interesting story. When he went to college, he took a, um, uh, an aptitude test. And they told him that um, he did not score very well in mathematics and that he should probably choose a major that didn't require much mathematics. But my dad's idea was, well, if I'm not good at mathematics right now, then I should take more of it. I should, should learn more. And so he did. And then he liked it enough to become a math major. And, and so then, um, and he taught school for two years and then um, did budgets and estimating for the majority of his career. And so when I was young, my dad um, used to ask me questions. And he, he I, there's one in particular I can remember driving down a particular street. I can remember this, this vividly. When he asked me um, a question, he said um, um, about decimal um, um, decimals regarding fractions. He says, okay, what's the decimal for one ninth? And I say, 0.1 repeating. And he says, what's the decimal expansion for two ninths? And I say, 0.2 repeating. And he continued this way till he got to nine ninths. Uh, well, that's 0.9 repeating but nine-ninths is one, is yes. And that was my introduction to, okay, point nine repeating equals one. And so he would do things like this every once in a while, just ask me questions and get me to think. <laughs> and and that made me enjoy the mathematics. So, and I always was good at computation and I enjoyed computation and I enjoy it to this day. And not all mathematicians enjoy computation. Um, and not all people hmm. that enjoy computation enjoy higher mathematics. But, but I turned out to enjoy both. So that was one thing, I guess, that got me into mathematics was I, I started to enjoy it because my dad um, helped me understand by asking questions. Mm -hmm. And then um, when I got to college, um, I actually majored in what my mother got her degree in, accounting, and um, then eventually changed to mathematics because it's like, well, I, I enjoy mathematics better. It was enjoyable uh, and not scary uh, most of the time. Mm -hmm. But I do have one memory of being very intimidated or scared mm. by mathematics. So this was when I was in college and wondering, well, what will I do with my mathematics? Uh, I mm. thought I, I don't want to teach high school. I felt like I didn't understand teenagers when I was one. So <laughs> it would be hard to teach high school. 
And I thought, well, to teach college, maybe you need to go on to get a PhD. And so I took a look at a paper that one of my professors had written and understood nothing. It just looked very intimidating. And I thought, oh, I don't think I can do that. I can do the mathematics in my courses, but I, I don't think I can do that. And so it was very scary and intimidating. But I think sometimes children will see that when they're young, too. Like many children think, okay, fractions. Oh, I don't understand fractions. I looked at this book, at this thing that my friend was doing who's, who's in the grade older than me. And, and mm -hmm. oh, I can't do that. But it turns out that that attitude is more harmful than helpful. It's, that might be natural, but what happens is mathematics is one of those subjects where you can, you can keep going and keep going and learn more, and you may not understand what's ahead of you if you jump too far ahead all at once. And so mm -hmm. if, you look, if you look toward the, the back of the book, or if you look ahead at the next year or five years ahead and look at that mathematics, it might look scary. But remember that what you've learned so far would have looked scary two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. You have not seen any of that before. And so I think it's important for people to learn not to let mathematics scare them. It can look intimidating, be intimidating, but but don't let it. Just let it come as you're learning it, and and learn that piece, and then learn the next piece. It's like the story of a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Yeah. And mathematics is one of those where you're better off taking each step as it yeah. comes, and you never know how far you can go. You may go yeah. much further than you ever thought you could. Yeah, that's a good point to already remember kind of what you've already learned in the past to encourage yourself. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so why, why is math important and what do you want to see from future generations? Well, mathematics is important because it's a way of understanding. It's a way of mm -hmm. understanding our world. And... There are many ways of understanding our world. And these ways can range from language to psychology, thinking about how people think, thinking about ourselves, thinking about um, your relationship to your community. Um, mm -hmm. Storytelling is a way of understanding the world. There are many ways of understanding our world. And mathematics is one of those ways. Hmm. And sometimes mathematics can give us insights that would be very difficult to come, um, to come away with in any other way. So I think that's why mathematics is important. So I was reading the description of your next new textbook, uh, Calculus Set Free Infinitesimals to the Rescue, which you provided the link to um, or a canvas, public canvas. Yeah. Yes, yeah. a public canvas course. Course. 
So we'll put that in the link uh, in the description. But you said it, uh, it's a way to ease the burden of entry into STEM disciplines. And can you explain more? I mean, yes. about how that works, yeah. So one of the things that um, I think people don't often realize is that there's usually more than one way to think of something. And, um, and I think we've seen this play out in our indigenous communities, right? Mm -hmm. Where um, when the Europeans came over to the, to the Americas, um, they um, had their own farming techniques, which were like one crop at a time. But yet um, Cherokees, the Iroquois, many others in, in the Americas used the three systems. You had corn, you had beans that were grown together. And there was a purpose for this, right? Because the corn gave the beans um, um, a, something to climb. Uh, the squash spread out over the ground and helped um, uh, control weeds. And I think there's something about pest control in there too. I don't remember. But, um, but Europeans were used to doing things in a particular way and thought, well, that's, that's not the way you do it. And, um, and I think we can do that in modern times too. We can think in those same ways. And so with calculus, with mathematics, we think, oh, well, there's one way to do mathematics. Well, no, there's not. There are many different ways to do mathematics. Mm -hmm. And calculus is one of those subjects. So when calculus was first developed, um, it was developed using the idea of an infinitesimal, which is an infinitely small number or infinitely small quantity. But because they were unable at the time to make infinitesimals rigorous, then um, in the 18th century, um, there were some famous attacks on the calculus, um, such as by uh, Bishop Barclay, has the most famous one, where he called infinitesimals the ghosts of departed quantities. And um, then in the 19th century, mathematicians developed an alternate way of um, making the calculus rigorous through, um, and that's through the epsilon delta system that uh, some might be familiar with if they studied calculus. And um, so essentially it was a workaround. But then in around 1960, um, Abraham Robinson, using mid-20th century mathematical logic, was able to finally rigorously prove the existence of a number system that extended the real numbers, but yet also includes infinitesimals, as well as infinitely large numbers. And so that made it legitimate, once again, to use these ideas in calculus. And many have, have been saying for decades that infinitesimals are more intuitive, but uh, there were a couple of um, attempts to uh, write a calculus textbook using infinitesimals, um, but um, for various reasons, those didn't quite catch on because what they did was they still used the same algebraic manipulations that everyone uses currently in the, with the epsilon delta system, 
and then wrap some new notation around that. So that added to the calculation and notational burden of the students. Instead, uh, what I was able to do from starting from scratch is to develop new notations and procedures using infinitesimals. Now, it turns out that many of these procedures um, are much more similar to the way people were thinking of calculus when it was first developed. But it turns out then that using these procedures, um, it's much easier to calculate limits, which is often the first uh, topic um, in a calculus course. Um, and so um, I found, so I started to try to use these methods with my students in about 2014. And um, my students then, um, much to my delight, did much better on exams over limits. So I thought, okay, this is good. This is useful. And that continued to be the case. And so I started then to develop more of these educational materials. And many of the students said, oh, this is, this is much better than the way I learned it in high school. This is the way I think. I understand calculus now, whereas I didn't before. And so uh, with all of that encouragement then, um, I decided um, eventually, that's also a long story, but eventually decided to go ahead and write the textbook. And, and now it has been published by Oxford University Press. And um, I'm excited because it does help students at the very beginning of calculus have more success. And one of the, the um, um, complaints against calculus in college has been that calculus has been a filter rather than a pump that calculus helps filter out people who can't do STEM. And there are many students, I'm sure, that give up very early in their first calculus class because they don't do well with all these algebraic manipulations that need to be done for limits. And there's been a lot of talk in the mathematical community about that. Oh, well, we should postpone limits until later. Oh, we should do things differently. But um, using the, um, uh, the techniques I've developed, students have more success. And then there's not that initial punch that people feel, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. That you come in wow. and you have some success. And it's a different way of thinking in the new number system. And it's kind of fun. And because students like thinking about infinite things. Mm. And... And so then it, it, and it, it fits their intuition, and then it stops the, the leakage out of STEM. Right. Wow. Congratulations. That's a really good um, feeling, <laughs> knowing oh, that this is out there, right? And, yes. Uh, have, and, I mean, I was always kind of um, comfortable with math, but I was never good at English and writing. And we need more people in math or people that in, are in STEM that are good writers too. Just, oh. <laughs> I want to plug that in because another way of, you know, when you get rid of those that are uh, not good at math, now you're also kind of pigeonholing people that are, you know, not being trained in both. So right. uh, in in the real world and earn regular business 
um, yeah, I, I, I think we need to, yeah, keep as many people on the path of learning as much as they can with in STEM. Yeah, well, thank um, so thank you. you. Oh, well, thank you. And I'm, um, I, I enjoy storytelling. Um, that's something that I think has come down from my dad, from his dad, mm -hmm. and probably from further back. Um, <laughs> but um, storytelling is, is um, a joy for me. And I treat mathematics that way. That's the way I tried to write the textbook, is I'm telling a story here. Right. And yeah. um, trying to help people understand. And that to me, that's fun, trying to communicate in that manner. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I just want to verify if there's any other projects you have going on that you want to keep us in the loop in or about. Well, the calculus book that I've written is for single variable calculus, which in the United States roughly corresponds to calculus one and calculus two at universities. Um, but I haven't yet written the multivariable calculus version of this, which is roughly calculus three in college in the US. So that's my next project. And um, I plan to start on that sometime this fall. And um, I'm also writing articles um, about uh, my methods and um, speaking about my methods. And so those are, are fun. Yay. <laughs> Check it out, everybody. We'll keep everybody in the loop um, in the future. Um, and do you have any uh, advice for students, aspiring mathematicians? Yes, that is, uh, I said some of this earlier about taking things one step at a time. If you enjoy mathematics, it doesn't matter if you're from a small community. It doesn't matter if you are from, you know, it, from um, a reservation where maybe you feel like, oh, I, I don't have the opportunity someone might have in New York City or someplace. That doesn't matter. Mathematics is the subject where as long as you take that next step and keep going and take that next step, if you're enjoying it, keep going. There's nothing to stop you. Yeah. So just, just keep seeing how far you could go. I, I wasn't sure how far I could go. So I actually stopped after my master's degree and um, I had gotten married and my wife had one more year um, in it for her nursing degree undergraduate. And so I worked um, for a year um, and then it's like, well, if I don't try for a PhD, I'll always wonder. I'll always wonder if I could have done it because it was a passion. It was something I was interested in. And so I decided to follow that. And then I did it and I enjoyed it. I thrived and, um, and I have enjoyed my career since. And so my advice is don't think, oh, I can't do this. You know, too many times we, we look at this and say, well, I don't know a mathematician. I don't know somebody from my community that has gone on to get a PhD. I don't know someone in my family that has done this. Well, 
then you could be the first one. Don't, don't let that stop you. Just keep going. Follow what you enjoy, what you're passionate about. I have seen many students over the years that when they first came in, were very passionate about mathematics, but weren't always that A student. They were B students. They were, you know, they, they didn't get everything right, but they loved it. Well, they went on and they just kept learning more and kept learning more and kept learning yeah. more. Um, and one of them um, I'm thinking of recently just finished his PhD in mathematics. Wow. And um, and so it's like, yeah, you, you can go a long ways, even if you're not that A-plus student knocking it out of the park, smartest one in the class. That doesn't matter. Just keep going. Yeah. Keep learning if that's your passion, if you're interested. Thank you so much, Brian. That was a good story and great advice, uh, one foot in front of the other. Um, and so I just want to close out. Again, thank you for joining us at Native Stories. We're also on social media under Our Native Stories on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and if you have any thoughts on other stories in the future, you can always email us at info at nativestories.com or just go on our website and there's a way to fill out a form. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, we hope. What up? <laughs>